0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out. Who's naughty or nice? Santa Claus is coming down. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if. So be good for. Are you kidding me? Who are you trying to fool? Be good for goodness' sakes? Come on. The truth is, be good for present sakes, you know? I mean, isn't that the truth? When you were a kid you sang the song, Be Good for Goodness' to But the truth is, be good, because if you're not, you aren't going to get the present you wanted. Santa's making that list. He's checking it twice. Because we know who the real world. See, the real world is you get what you deserve. Right? That's how it works. That's how it works in just about every aspect of our life. In a student, you get the grade you deserve. You work hard. You study hard. You prepare for the exam. You get the grade you deserve on your job do a good job, you get the bonus. You get the raise. Don't do a good job, you get the boot. (laughs) In every aspect of our life, when you're driving. I had a friend, when we lived in Oregon, I had a friend who was a state trooper. He swore to me he never gave a ticket in his whole career. Everybody had to earn them for themselves. That was his line. Because you get what you deserve. That's how it works. That's how it works in the real world. You get what you deserve. If you're good, good things happen. If you're bad, bad things happen. It's how it works even in our relationships. Good boy, you get dessert. Bad boy, you get a spanking. Even in marriages. There is, in, in just about every aspect of our life, there is this invisible ledger book on which there are deposits and there are withdrawals. And that works in every relationship, husbands and wives. In fact, when I do premarital counseling, I talk about this unseen ledger book because it's there. It's there. And as long as it balances out, everybody's happy in the relationship. The marriage is going good. But when the ledger book gets out of balance, not so good. There's tension there's turmoil right underneath the surface. There's this thing. And, and you husbands and wives, you know this because you've been through this so many times. What's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. What really? What, what's wrong? Nothing. But you know darn well. It's something. <laughs> you can't figure it out. But there is this tension because that's the ledger book. That's how it works. That's how life works. You get what you deserve. And that's how we live our life. Until you get to the Christmas story. And you get to the Christmas story and everything changes. It was announced to shepherds. If you want to follow along, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord Lord, shone around them. Try saying that five times fast. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It's Christmas. We have been talking about all I want for Christmas. And, and, and at the heart of it is That in Jesus Christ, God was providing for us and solving for us our deepest human needs. What goes deeper than anything else? And it's that need for hope. We talked about that in the first week. That God actually gives us hope and a future. And and last week, that gift of belonging and love. Just the way that we are. This morning, what I want to talk about is what the angels announced. Peace. Because I think that's something that's deep, deep down inside. It's something that we long for. A peaceful existence. Right relationship. Because, see, that's really at the heart of it. When when my relationships are all working out, everything is at peace. But when that ledger book is off, there is no peace. There is no peace. And when it comes to God, we often approach our relationship with God much the way we approach everything else in life. There's some part of the deal that I've got to live up to. And as long as I live up to my end of the deal, I feel somewhat peaceful. Not entirely, but somewhat. And the announcement that the angels gave to the shepherds was, everything has changed. Everything has changed. There is a whole new set of rules. And now, now there is peace for you. And that peace of Christmas means a couple of things. It means, first of all, that God has freed us from our fears. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, fear is a natural reaction. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. In fact, every time an angel shows up, that's the first thing they have to say is, don't be afraid because everybody is terrified because they they're scary creatures. They're, they're not that sweet little you know, cherubic you know, ornament that you hang on the tree. They are powerful They are incredible. They are otherworldly creatures. And and it says they were terrified. In fact, actually, in the Greek, in the original language, uh, the word is is phobos, which is where we get our word phobia, fear. And it actually is repeated twice. They feared fear. They they feared fear. Okay? And and in fact, in between the word used twice is the word mega. (laughs) So literally it could be translated, they feared with a mega fear. (laughs) They were terrified. That's a really good, good description of it. They were absolutely undone because that's what fear does. Fear can be debilitating. And especially when it's irrational, when you have no basis for it. I actually did a... a there, you can find anything on the web. Did you know that? Worldwide web? There is actually a website called phobialist.com. Now, honestly. And there were over on that. I went through it. I counted them. One at a time. Over 560 classified fears on phobialist.com. Some of them you know. Acrophobia. Fear of heights. Um, claustrophobia. Fear of confined spaces. Sure. Um, arachnophobia. fear. Of sp- Boy, you know more of that one than anyone else. Um, pyrophobia is fear of fire. Agoraphobia is the fear of crowds. Triscidecaphobia. Fear of the number 13, or fear of Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's an actual phobia right there on the list. There's some lesser known ones. Thought I'd share a few of them with you. Dentophobia. Fear of the dentist. I have suffered from that all my life. I didn't even know there was a term for it. Sinistrophobia is the fear of the left or things left-handed. In case you were wondering, coolophobia is the official term for fear of clowns. A couple others here. Palladophobia is fear of bald people. (laughs) Philacrophobia is fear of becoming bald. (laughs) One or the other here. Um, Here's a couple for this time of year. Syngenophobia. Fear of relatives. Socerophobia is fear of your parents-in-law. That might be one you can use this fear. Um, ecclesiophobia, fear of church. Hom- homilophobia is fear of sermons. Now, how, why would anybody have that? <laughs> I don't get that one at all. <coughs> Hadophobia is fear of hell. And there's actually a uranophobia, fear of heaven. So if you have hadabiophonia, it's a good thing you don't have ecclesiophobia or homilophobia so you cannot have uranophobia <laughs> or something like that. The point is that fear can be debilitating, and and irrational fear especially. And and so when these guys see the angels, I think part of it is because they're powerful creatures, but there's something more there. This fear of the angels has to do with that the angels are messengers of God. So when an angel shows up, this is like God is speaking. That's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so terrifying. Because... Because God is holy and perfect and, and his beings, these are, these are perfect beings. And they are everything that I am not. And so when an angel shows up and starts talking, that can't be good news. If God's talking to me and I'm not a perfect being and he is, that can't be good news. That's like getting a message of saying, you got to go to the principal's office. And you're wondering, what did I do? The fear that they had is a fear that many of us have. That we know things are not right between me and God. And if God is going to show up and have a message for me, it can't possibly be good news. And the reason that I'm afraid is that any time that I have to relate to a holy and perfect God based on my merits, that is not good news. But the angel says, this is good news. He said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of a great joy. In other words, that God is doing something completely different here. Something completely contrary to the way that you have lived your whole life. And it's this thing called grace. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what you have done or what you haven't done. That is why it is good news. That is why it's a good news of a great joy because Because what he's saying is that our whole relationship with God is no longer based on the bookkeeping method. That God has wiped the slate clean. That there's no more balance assets and debits and, you know, deposits and withdrawals. It's not that way anymore. That God is doing something completely different. He is introducing in a way that he never has before this idea of grace it has nothing to do with you or me. It has everything to do with God. And that's why it's so good. The good news is peace. There's peace now because this relationship with God does not depend on me. It has nothing to do with me. And that tension that would be there or that unease or uncertainty or even fear or anxiety about my relationship with God is no longer there because it has nothing to do with me. That's why it's such good news. And that's why we celebrate. It's what we talk about around here. Because this is a message we got here. Because here's the deal. If we could ever truly get that message from up here down into here, I think it would change the whole way we relate to God. Because in the back of our mind... Even if you've been a Christ follower well for the longest time, there is still this sense that I have to live up to my end of the bargain. That there's something I need to bring to the table. There is some way that I need to contribute to this whole thing. And it's like there's this gift exchange. And yeah, well, you're God and you can give bigger gifts than I can, but I got to give something here. You say, no. No, this is good news. It has nothing to do with you. And so the declaration is glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. If it all depends on me, there is no peace. There's guilt, there's shame, fear, tension. If it depends on me, there is no peace. But the peace comes is because. It all depends on God. He has freed us from that fear. He has freed us from that fear and He has rescued us from our sin. And this is the message. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior, not a helper, not a teacher, not an encourager, not a life coach. (laughs) A Savior. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you if you don't think you are in need of saving. See, the announcement of a savior means nothing to me if I don't think I need to be saved. And, and let's face it, we don't like to hear the word sin. This whole idea of being saving and needing to be rescued, it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, I've I got some good qualities. I, I've got something to offer here. No, no, no. What you need is Rescue. <laughs> That's what the word Savior means, a rescuer, someone to rescue us from our sin. And the way that we approach our sin, because we know we're not perfect. And so our, generally our, our excuse is, well, yeah, I know I'm not perfect, and I, and I don't like the word sin. So I use words like mistakes or, or shortcomings or errors in judgment. And we try to minimize our sin. One of my favorite all-time books, and I bought it because of the title. Because the title is like my... I wish I had thought of a book and named it this title. The title of the book is, Yes, Lord, I have sinned. But I have several excellent excuses. (laughs) And, And that's pretty much how we approach God. And that's why there's no peace. Because we know our excuses don't hold water. And what we need is not a helper and not a life coach. And not an encourager. What we need is a rescuer. Because what's happened is that our sins have separated us from God. See, we are not fully aware of how desperate the situation is. We don't realize how desperate we are in need of rescue. But look at this. This next scripture here. It says your sins have cut you off from your God. Not just put you in the other room. Cut you off. That's what sin does. And I think on some part, even if you've been a Christ follower for the longest time, you have this sense, but yes, I have something that I have to offer. There's something I need to do to deserve this. And think about it. Think about it this way. In your prayers, in your prayers, when you are at the top of your game and you are doing well, and you are reading your Bible and you're going to church regularly and you're you're living a really good life and you're living the way you know you should be living, you have all kinds of confidence when you come to God in prayer. Hey, God, you know me. I'm the guy that's doing all this good stuff here. But when you're not at the top of your game and when you failed in some way or sinned, it's a whole different way that you approach God. And the good news is, the good news is, God has sent a rescuer. And that you can approach him with confidence, not by anything that you have done, but by what he has done for you. And that's where there's peace. Even when I know I have done something to destroy this relationship, to cut myself off from God, there is still peace because He's done something about it. So let's do a quick little poll this morning. Because confession is good for the soul. How many would say in the last year, you have sinned? Or, Or maybe you haven't, but the person next to you, you're pretty sure about him, okay? Yeah? Yeah, okay. So we all admit we got at least one, okay, for the whole year. But let's say we're pretty good people. Let's say, let's say we make it a whole day and we sin once. Well, okay, let's be realistic. Let's say if we make it through a whole day and we're actually really good people, so we maybe sin, if you think about it, all that sin could be, three times a day. Do you realize through this whole year, if you only sinned three times a day, that you would by now have 1,056 sins and there's still two weeks left? and by the end of this year you will be at 9095 sins and next year is a leap year so you get three more now how would you like to show up in traffic court with 1095 traffic citations and stand before the judge and say yeah well you know (laughs) can you cut me some slack here See, it's far more desperate than we realize. We are all in need of rescue. And if you think differently, you don't understand the situation. And that's why we needed a rescuer. And here is the good news. God himself has come to our rescue. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world. John wrote these words. This is real love. That he loved us and sent his son As a sacrifice to take away our sin. That God didn't stand idly by and watch us destroy ourselves. You might remember this past summer, back in the month of May. The incident happened in Alameda. A man who was suicidal waded out into the water, neck deep. And the emergency emergency was called. 911 was called. The police showed up. The firemen showed up. Everybody showed up. And they stood... On the shore, as the man finally succumbed and went under for the last time and died. And there was all kinds of excuses made. Well, we weren't probably trained, we didn't know how to deal with the situation, we didn't have the right equipment. But everybody was appalled that these people whose job it is to be rescuers showed up and didn't rescue. And a man died. While they stood on the shore and watched it happen. And we're so appalled at that. And we're just so, we can't wrap our brains around such a concept. And here we have a God who doesn't stand on the shore idly by and watch us destroy ourselves. He sent a rescuer, God Himself came to our rescue. That's good news. That's where peace comes from. To know, to know I have a rescuer. And I had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. I have peace. Because God has freed me from my fear. And he has rescued me. From my sin. And he's done even more than that. He has accepted me as his own. Because this peace with God is not just about forgiveness. If that was not enough. And it's not just about rescue as if that was not enough. It's about a relationship. That God has actually invited me into this relationship with him. And it's not just forgiveness. It's acceptance. It's embracing He says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. This isn't just for good people. This isn't just for righteous people. This isn't for smart people or rich people or decent people. This is for all the people. That God loved us so much that he not only came to our rescue." But he brought us into his embrace. and God has done this. Not for a select few. He's made this available to everyone. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus. And you look at the people that he hung out with. He lived that out. The people that hung out with him. And the people that he hung out with. Were not the people that most good, decent, ordinary righteous people would hang out with. I love the way Andy Stanley puts it. He says, Jesus liked the people that were nothing like Him. And people who were nothing like Him, liked Him. That God likes you. Not only does He love you, He likes you. (laughs) He likes you. And that's a whole different thing. Because you can love somebody without liking them a whole lot. But the message that the angels gave on that first Christmas is God not only forgives you, not only frees you from your fear, but he loves you and he likes you. And this is good news for all people. And it began with his birth that this message was given to a very unlikely group of people in normal settings, This message, this angel choir, this bright, shining light comes to shepherds, ordinary, everyday people. Now, shepherds, we said this last night, they were not at the top of any part of the social structure. They were not at the top of the economic ladder. They were not at the top of the social ladder. They were not at the top of the religious ladder or the cultural ladder. They were like near the bottom. They were just like the scubinis, (laughs) the nobodies. And it's the nobodies that this angel choir shows up and makes this announcement to. And then and then they give them this sign. Because this is a message that's just too good to be true. And they give them the sign. And this is an incredible. Listen what the sign is. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. That's not much of a sign. You know, especially compared to. An angel choir in a bright, shiny light and this huge declaration, angels singing and all that stuff. I mean, now that's a sign. A baby in a feeding trough wrapped with cloth. What kind of sign is that? See, a manger, a feeding trough, that's not where a baby belongs. It's certainly not where a Savior belongs. But for the shepherds, they'd feel right at home. <laughs> Because, see, God meets us right where we're at. He did it with shepherds. You couldn't have made this message more approachable and more available than that sign of a feeding trough for animals to people who made a living taking care of animals. Because that's the way that God comes to us. That's what the Christmas message is about. God comes to us in our neighborhood right where we are and he takes us as is without our goodness and in spite of our badness. And He loves us and he likes us. Peace on earth toward men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on you. You have found favor in Him. It's the perfect sign for shepherds. It's the perfect sign for us that God brings His presence right to our lives. And it says that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just like they had been told. See, they had been told about something, but they would never have known it was true unless they had gone and seen it for themselves. And this morning, I've told you about a great message, but you will never know if it's true unless you see it for yourself. And the great news of Christmas, this good news that the angel sang about is, you can. You can. It's available to everyone. It is good news for all the people. And that, that's good news you bow your heads with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.